Hey guys, so today we're going to start the last book, The Last Olympian. I mean, it's, it's fitting, it's beautiful. God, you've come a long way, you've come a long, long way. This is going to be the last series of the podcast and it's it was a hell of a ride. It was amazing. I mean, I remember starting the podcast when the pandemic was going on. Yes, because I was bored and I didn't know what to do. And then I remember seeing this thing on Netflix where this girl had a podcast. And I, was, and I thought, oh my God, that's so cool. I should do that too. And I did it. And my audience grew and people started to tell me how like how much they like my podcast, how much they like listening to books. It was like sending out something in the world. Just as part of me into the world and I'm seeing that it's been circulated worldwide and I mean, satisfying. It's so satisfying. It's amazing. I'm surely gonna miss it once it's over. Okay, so enough of the talk. Let's begin the chapter. So it's called I Go Cruising with Explosives, and it's the first chapter of the book. Let's begin. The end of the world started when a Pegasus landed on the hood of my car. Up until then, I was having a great afternoon. Technically, I wasn't supposed to be driving because I couldn't turn 16 for another week. But my mom and my stepdad, Paul, took my friend Rachel and me to this private stretch of beach in the South Shore, and Paul let us borrow his prize for a short spin. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wow, that was really irresponsible of him, blah, blah, blah. But Paul knows me pretty well. He's seen me slice up demons and leap out of exploiting school buildings, so he probably figured taking a car a few hundred yards wasn't exactly the most dangerous thing I'd ever done. <laughs> so anyway, Rachel and I were driving along. It was a hot August day. Rachel's red hair was pulled back in a ponytail and she wore a white blouse over a swimsuit. i never seen her in anything but ratty t-shirts and paint splatter jeans before and she looked like a million golden drag map. Oh, pull up right there, she told me. We parked on a bridge overlooking the Atlantic. The sea is always one of my favorite places, but today was especially nice, glittery green and smooth as glass, like my dad was keeping it calm just for us. My dad, by the way, is for sad and he can do stuff like that. So, Rachel smiled at me about that invitation. Oh, right. I tried to sound excited. I mean, she'd asked me to her family's vacation house in St. Thomas for tea. For three days, I didn't get a lot of offers like that. My family's idea of a fancy vacation was a weekend in a rundown cabin on Long Island with some movie rentals and a couple of frozen pizzas. And here, Rachel's folks were willing to tag me along to the Caribbean. Besides, I seriously needed a vacation. The summer had been the hardest of my life. The idea of taking a break for even a few days was really tempting. Still... Something big was supposed to go down any day now. I was on call for a mission even worse. Next week was my birthday. There was this prophecy that said when I turned 16, bad things would happen. 
Percy, she said, I know the timing is bad, but it's always bad for you, right? She had a point. I really want to go, I said. It's just the war. I nodded. I didn't like talking about it, but Rachel knew. Unlike most mortals, she could see through the mist, the magic veil that distorts human vision. She'd seen monsters, she'd met some of the other demigods who were fighting the titans and their allies. She'd even been there last summer when the chopped-up Lord Kronos rose out of his coffin in a terrible new form, and she'd earned my promo in respect by nailing him in the eye with a blue plastic hairbrush. She put her hand on my arm. <clears throat> Just think about it, okay? We don't leave for a couple of days, my dad. Her voice faltered. Is he giving you a hard time? I asked. Rachel shook her head in disgust. He's trying to be nice to me, which is almost worse. He wants me to go to Clarion Ladies Academy in the fall. The school by your mom went? Yes, it's a stupid finishing school for society girls all the way in New Hampshire. Can you see me in finishing school? I admitted the idea sounded pretty dumb. Rachel was into urban art projects and feeding the homeless and going to protest her allies to save the endangered yellow-bellied sapsucker and stuff like that. I'd never even seen her wear a dress. It was hard to imagine her learning to be a socialite. She sighed. He thinks if he does a bunch of nice stuff for me, I'll feel guilty and give in. Which is why he agreed to let me come with you guys on vacation. Yes, but Percy, you'd be doing me a huge favor. I would be so much better if you were with us. Besides, there's something you want to talk. You stopped abruptly. Something you want to talk about? I asked. You mean so serious we'd have to go to St. Thomas to talk about it? She pursed her lips. Look, just forget it for now. We'll, let's pretend we're a couple of normal people. We're out for a drive and we're watching the ocean. It's nice to be together. I could tell something was bothering her, but she put on a brave face. The sunlight in her hair looked like fire. We spent a lot of time together this summer. I hadn't exactly planned it that way, but the more serious things got at camp, the more I found myself needing to call up Rachel and get away. Just for some breathing room, I needed to remind myself the moral world was still out there, away from all the monsters using me as a personal punching bag. Okay, I said just a normal afternoon and two normal people. She nodded. And so, hypothetically, if these two people liked each other, what would it take the stupid guy to kiss the girl, huh? Uh-huh. I felt like one of a pile of secret cows. Slow, dumb, and bright red. Um, I can't pretend that I just thought about Rachel. She was just so much easier to be around than, well, some other girls I knew. Well, we know what other girl he is talking about. I didn't have to work hard or watch what I said or rack my brain trying to figure out what she was thinking. Rachel didn't hide much. She let you know how she felt. I'm not sure what I would have done, but I was so distracted, I didn't notice the huge black form swooping down from the sky until four hooves landed on the hood of the prize with a whoop whoop crunch. Hey, boss. A voice said in my head, nice car. Blackjack the Pegasus was an old friend of mine, so I tried not to get too annoyed with the craters he's just put on the hood. But I didn't think my stepdad would be real stoked. Blackjack, what are you? Then I saw who was riding on his back and I knew my day was about to get a lot more complicated. Sup, Prissy? 
Charles Beckendorf, senior counselor for the Hephaestus Cabin, would make most monsters cry for their mommies. He was this huge African-American guy with ripped muscles from walking in the forges every summer. He was two years older than me and one of the camp's best armorsmiths. He'd made some seriously ingenious mechanical stuff. A month before, he'd rigged a Greek firebomb in the bathroom of a tour bus that was carrying a bunch of monsters across the country. The explosion took out a whole legion of Kronos' evil meanies as soon as the first harpy went flush. Beckendorf was dressed for combat. He wore a bronze breastplate and a war helm with black comal pants and a sword strapped to his side. His explosive bag was slung over his shoulder. Time? I asked. He nodded grimly. A clump formed in my mouth. I'd known this was coming. I'd been planning it for weeks, but I'd have hoped it would never happen. Rachel looked up at Beckendorf. Hi. Oh, hey, I'm Beckendorf. You must be Rachel. Percy's told me, uh, I didn't, I mean, he mentioned you. Rachel raised an eyebrow. Really? Good. She glanced at Blackjack, who was clopping his hooves against the hood of the prize. So I guess you guys have to go now to save the world. Chitty much, Beckendorf agreed. I looked at Rachel helplessly. Would you tell my mom? I'll tell her, I'm sure she's used to it. And I'll explain to Paul about the hood. I nodded my thanks. I figured this might be the last time Paul loaned me his car. Good luck, Rachel. Kiss me before I could even react. Now get going, Half-Blood. Go kill some monsters for me. Chief. My last view of her was smiling in the shotgun seat of the Prius, her arms crossed, watching as Blackjack circle higher and higher, carrying Beckendorf and me to the sky. I wonder what Rachel wanted to talk to me about, whether I live long enough to find out. So, Beckendorf said, I'm guessing you don't want me to mention that little scene to Annabeth. Oh, God. I don't even think about it. Beckendorf chuckled, and together we soared out over the Atlantic. It was almost dark by the time we spotted our target. The Princess Andromeda glowed on the horizon. A huge cruise ship lit up yellow and white. From a distance, you'd think it was just your party ship, not the headquarters for the Titan Lord. And as you got closer, you might notice that... Giant mastered, a dark-haired maiden in a Greek chiton, wrapped in chains with a look of horror on her face, as if she could smell the stench of all the monsters she was being forced to carry. Seeing the ship again twisted my guts into knots, I almost died twice in the Princess and Umera, and I was heading straight for New York. I was heading, and it was heading straight for New York. My bad. Okay. You know what to do? Peckendorf yelled over the wind. I nodded. We'd done dry runs at the dockyards in New Jersey using abandoned ships as our targets. I knew how little time we would have, but also knew it was the best chance to win Shronos' invasion before it even started. Blackjack set us down on the lowest stone there. Gotcha, boss? Man, I hate seeing that ball. Don't wait for us, I told him. But boss, trust me, we'll get out of our way ourselves. Blackjack folded his wings and plummeted towards the boat like a black comet. The wind whistled in my ears. I saw monsters patrolling the upper decks of the ships. But we zipped by so fast, none of them raised the alarm. We shot down the stern of the boat, and Blackjack spread his wings lightly, coming to the land on the lowest deck. I climbed up, feeling uneasy. Good luck, boss, Blackjack said. Don't let him turn you into horse meat. With that, my old friend flew off right into the night. I took my pen out of my pocket, uncapped it, and ripped it, sprang to full size, three feet of deadly celestial bronze glowing in the dusk. 
Peckinder pulled a piece of paper out of his pocket. I thought it was a map or something. Then I realized it was a photograph. He stared at it in the dim light, the smiling face of Selena Beauregard, daughter of Aphrodite. They start going out last summer after years of the rest of us saying, Duh, you guys like each other. Even with all the dangerous missions, Beckinder had been happier this summer than I had ever seen him. We'll make it back to camp, I promised. For a few seconds, I saw worry in his eyes. Then he put her put on his confident smile. You bet, he said, let us go. And blew Kronhauser's back into a million pieces. Back and drop led the way. We followed a narrow corridor to the service stairwell, just like we'd practiced. We froze when we heard voices above us. Okay, um, wait, I got distracted. Yes. Back and drop led the way. We followed narrow cars. The service stairwell just like we practiced, but we froze when we heard noises above us. I don't care what you know, sis, snarled the half-human, half-dog voice, a Tahiki. Last time you smelled half-blood, it turned out to be a meatloaf sandwich. Meatloaf sandwiches are good, a second voice snarled, but this is a half-blood scent. I swear they are on board. Bah, your brain isn't on board. They continued to argue, but Beckendorf pointed downstairs. We descended as quickly as we could. Two floors down, the voices of the Telekin started to fade. Finally, we came to a metal hatch. Beckendorf mounted the ward's engine room. It was locked. Beckendorf pulled some chain cutters out of his bag and split the bowl like it was made of butter. Inside, a row of yellow turbines the size of green silos churned and hummed. Pressure gauges and computer terminals lined the opposite wall. Atahakin was hunched over a console, but he was so involved with his work he didn't notice us. He was about five feet tall with slick black seal fur and stubby little feet. He had the head of a Doberman, but his clawed hands were almost human. He growled and muttered as he tapped on his keyboard. Maybe he was messaging his friends on UglyFace.com. A step forward, and he tensed, probably smelling something was wrong. He left sideways towards a big... Al- a red alarm button, but I blocked his path. He hissed and lunged at me, but one slicer ripped out and he exploded into dust. One down, about 5,000 to go. Beckendorf tossed me a jar of thick green liquid, Greek fire, one of the most dangerous substances in the world. Then he threw me another essential tool of demigod heroes, duct tape. Slap that one on the console, I'll get the turbines, he said. We went to work. The room was hot and humid. In no time, we were drenched in sweat. The boat kept chugging along, being the center of Poseidon and all. I have perfect bearings at sea. Don't ask me how, but I could tell we were at 40, uh, 40.9 degree north, uh, 70.9 degree west, making 18 knots, which meant the ship would arrive in New York Harbor by dawn. That would be our, This would be our only chance to stop it. I just... Attached a second jet of Greek fire to the control panels when I heard the pounding of feet and metal steps. So many creatures coming down the stairwell, I could hear them over the engines. Not a good sign. I locked eyes with Beckendorf. How much longer? Too long. He tapped his watch. It was a remote control detonator. I still had to wire the receiver and prime the charges. Ten more minutes at least. Judging from the sound of the footsteps, we had about ten seconds. I'll distract them. I said, meet you at the rendezvous point. Percy, wish me luck. He looked like he wanted to argue, but the whole idea had been to get in and get out without being spotted, but we were about to improvise. We were going to improvise. Good luck, he said. I charged out of the door. I think we'll do till here. I mean, it's a big chapter. All the chapters in this book are extremely big. Hmm.
Yes, it's big. Yeah, we'll do it next. There's no rush. Uh, okay. So, we'll meet again next episode. Only on the Percy Jackson Podcast. <laughs>